You're listening to Finding Your Genius Zone with Dirk Novell. With the help of successful individuals across industries, Dirk breaks down the unknown parts of every vocation while highlighting the importance of finding a career where you can leverage your natural skills, passions, and interests. Now here's your host, Dirk Novell. Hello, everyone. This is Dirk Novell. Welcome to my podcast. On with me is a buddy of mine, Jim Beatty. Jim, welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. It's good to have you. Uh, Jim is a guy that I got to know a little bit uh, years ago. Our sons played lacrosse together, and I knew Jim through a mutual friend. I always heard really great things about him. And, uh, you know, he's a very impressive guy, and I was excited to have him on. He is in the world of finances. Um, he has his own business. He's been at it for a long time. Um, I'm going to let him elaborate and articulate, you know, in his words, what he does, and then we'll just kind of get deeper into what the life is like behind this career. So, Jim, if you're, uh, let's just say you're on a plane or you're, you're sitting at a lacrosse game and some strange, strange guy or gal says, hey, what do you do? How would you answer that? Yeah, I own an investment firm here in Bellevue. Uh, we focus primarily on helping individuals and business owners, you know, manage their money, manage their strategies of both short term and long term and protecting them against any headwinds that they come against. Uh, with that process, we have about 35, 36 employees and we continue to grow. So we have an internal growth rate that we focus on. Um, but that's essentially what we do on a day in, day out basis. Um, literally the difference of us and other firms is probably is we've really focused and probably excelled by having most of the research done in-house. So I have CFAs, I have an investment committee, I have a full team that uh, we have many different meeting and strategy sessions on what's going on with the economy, the country, politics, uh, and how that relates to a portfolio. So that's an interesting angle that I haven't had with my other financial podcast guests is where do you get the content? So that this is kind of interesting. So what created that? Was it just being in control or differentiating yourself or just disagreeing with what you were hearing out there in the public? Yeah, a lot of it, it's, uh, I would say it is disagreeing with what the media says, the world says, and really just having transparency for both us and clients. You know, I thought I've gone through many things where you look at different types of mutual funds and I love having individual securities. And I just felt that, you know, clients uh, have more transparency having that in-depth research in their own portfolio and having the decision where they want to buy, sell, or hold rather than based on outflow of what the country is doing. And so that's helped uh, pretty significantly, you know, um, and it's, it keeps the ball moving quite a bit. And there's, you get to work kind of firsthand with some big companies that have done very well. So, so you gotta, I mean, I, I'm just kind of thinking out loud, you gotta really love the content. Like for you to, like, I could see people in your industry that are like, just, they go to their go-tos, right? The, right. What, and they're just, they're kind of on auto drive, like in your recipe or your world, you're like creating the recipe and, and cooking the dish, right? Like, but yeah. what, with that, I mean, you can't, I don't think you could be good at that unless you truly genuinely had an interest in economics, the market. I mean, you must really love this stuff. Yeah, you have to have a passion for it. I mean, you have to understand economics by all faucets of that and also the history of that, right? And understand that there's things that you hear and block those things out and really kind of focus on what is real and what isn't real. And so we primarily focus on what do we know, what do we, what don't we know? And with that, with that kind of information of what decisions do we need to make, what's the impact of those decisions? 
But having that passion around that and having been surrounded by other people that have that same passion, it's exciting. I mean, you get to go a lot of different directions down different rabbit holes to really figure out, you know, what type of investments we want to have, how they correlate, and then add some different math and statistics around that uh, to different overall weightings of portfolio construction. So when you take all that information, combine it, it ends up becoming a very good product that we can actually issue out and use with our current clients, which has been, it's, it's been very, very beneficial. So do you ever get challenged? Like you ever like comments, like, how do you think you know more than the big banks or the big institutions? What would makes you, you know, I mean, yeah, I we're would... constantly challenged uh, by clients, by individuals, and even by, you know, um, other, other in investors in our, in our office here, as far as, you know, why would we want to go in this direction? we have some that are, always constantly optimistic as a bull, some are very bearish, but those point of views are, it's if taking those emotions and understanding where they stem from, and then going backwards and then going, okay, this is why, is it relevant, is it not relevant to what we're trying to do? Because at the end of the day, the market, is always, the portfolio is always long-term investments. And so as long as you can maintain and keep in certain investments and, and, and securities and balance the portfolio, you're going to have good success. Um, it's just making sure that you execute correctly and don't execute because of emotion. Yeah, I get it. Uh, and then the other thing I'm thinking is like, okay, so if you're watching Jim right now, Jim's been doing this for a long time, super successful, very loyal client base. My understanding is you like to play in the wealth preservation, like affluent families. Um, but, you know, so you, you're the guy running the company. You're the guy who's probably out there doing the deals. But there's also, if you listen, like there's a lot of skill sets involved, uh, like especially with your in-house people that are monitoring the market, coming up with their own strategies. I mean, you right. know. Jim's a super social guy and he's funny and we've laughed a lot hanging out watching our sons play lacrosse, but keep in mind, I mean, there's other avenues. Um, if you're not a social guy, if you're not a guy that wants to go out and, and, you know, have dinner drinks or whatever, and meet people, can you talk to some of those other options within like maybe your company or the industry or your type of institution that yeah. might be relevant for somebody that doesn't have your skill set? Yeah, I think there's a, there's a need for all, skill sets and all different types of characteristics of individuals, people that are more introverted as well. Um, some of them do very, very well. It's just a matter of how they deliver, you know, their message and their story. So I think for the most part, it, it's it, it, whatever skill set people have and understanding who they are as a person, understanding what their passions are, as long as we allow them to keep following their passion and go down those different directions, they usually tend to have a lot of success. Um, at the end of the day, it's, it comes down to no matter what you what area of the industry you're in, whether it's the research side, the operation side, as an advisor front, or even in, in, as a management side. I mean, it's you can get someone that uh, is, does pretty pretty good as an investment advisor, um, but excels greatly as a manager on that side. And so it's interesting to watch people grow and go into their different directions and follow their different paths. And so sometimes you get thrown a curveball and like, well, that guy's really great at this, you know? Um, and it's fun. It's fun to be able to see that and, and allow them to do me, be their best, you know, and that's yeah. probably the most important part. So you wear a lot of hats. I mean, you're, you're running the show. You're, I mean, you're doing a lot of things. Do you have a favorite part of the business for you that you like, if you could gravitate and spend more time in that camp, you would. 
I mean, I think I spend an equal amount of time in all areas of passion that I enjoy. Um, all the other things that I don't enjoy, I really try to have other people uh, manage those things okay. uh, as much as I can, you know? So yeah, no, I love on my time, but my, my favorite part of every day is probably the morning. Talk to us about that. Cause I want to hear you've been at it for a long time and I, I know you're a smart guy and you probably had a pretty good idea of what to expect. Even when you were starting out, give me something that surprised you good and bad about the industry. Like, you know, your son is not far off in age from my son and, let's just fast forward in 10 years, you know, Hey dad, I want to do what you do. Uh, and you want to make sure it's the right career field for him. Like what would you warn him against? And then what would you tell him you love about the gig? I mean, I think the warning is distractions. There's so many distractions and, you know, people uh, and where they get their information. Right. So in, in this industry, you really have to be great at grabbing raw material and data and really coming up with what how you translate that so it's not the best choice to be taking someone else's narrative on some information and running with that um and that's probably the biggest thing is to if you can manage those distractions you'll excel at most everything um but if you succumb to those distractions and they're gonna they're gonna hold you back quite a bit and you're probably not gonna enjoy it as much Real quick, so I, I want to make sure I'm understanding. Are you talking about distractions like a client that thinks he or she knows more than you and I heard this or my friend heard this and I think we should do that? Is that I mean that's part of, I mean that can be part of it, certainly. I mean, because clients get their information, they, there's only so many areas where they can get, grab their information, right? And sometimes it's it's from certain media channels and sources like that. And sometimes they have a narrative that's pushing a different direction, you know, and it's and it's it, they may not they may have the best intentions with them but they'll understand that maybe it doesn't really it happens on a regular basis it's not as big of a deal and doesn't really apply to the investment world um and that's that's a big part of what we do but also distractions of just general things of, of a day right you know maintaining that i i'm a very structured person i mean i'm up at 4 30 i work out um, you know, I have certain things I love to do. I, I take a, uh, usually about 10, 11 o'clock to 10 minute walk outside, just get some fresh air, then back in and refresh and keep going at it. So, I mean, yeah. I think having rituals and sticking with those rituals and I call it, some people call them habits, but I think it's more of a ritual is, is a, a direction to take it so that you are focused on it and you're excited about, you know, getting, getting after the day. Yeah, you are. I mean, you might be the strongest financial guy in the uh, in the industry. Uh, Jim's Jim's an avid lifter, and his uh, work ethic, uh, getting up early and working out, is pretty impressive. Um, I would think, you know, just the nature of money and people stressing out about having it up, go up or down in terms of value, and then things that happen in the world is super stressful. So you talked about working out in the morning. You talked about taking a walk what's your advice? I mean, cause this is not a job, you know, like you're not bartending, you're not, you know, hanging out where everybody's laughing and smiling. I mean, this, this can be super stressful and can be probably scary yeah, yeah. too. I mean, you're dealing with a lot of, you got the investment standpoint of it, but you also have, you're in people's lives. I mean, I have clients for 20, 25 years and you know, you're doing uh, end of life conversations with people. And it's, I mean, I've had three or four clients passed recently where you're saying goodbye and you're still, you still have a responsibility to the family to make sure that the assets 
are managed and taking care of surviving spouses and it follows through the right estate planning courses and stuff. So I, I think there's, there's definitely, um, there's some therapist background you need to have, <laughs> you know, is not just to be a great listener, but also understand of how you can actually be truly helpful. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think the thing about your industry and I really like, I mean, this podcast is about making sure you go down the right road. And to be honest, I would have done life very different. I would have gotten into an industry that had an annuity income stream, you know, like yours or commercial insurance. Um, but you know, the thing that's interesting, if you're watching this, like I'm in, I'm in mortgage lending and obviously Jim's in finances, you know, when you are choosing somebody like Jim to manage your money, it's a big deal. And you have to have, uh, I don't even know how you describe it, but a likability, a seriousness, a credibility, a no BS. I mean, you've got to, you've got to earn that. I guess the, I guess what I'm getting at is what is it about you? You think, you know, I know there's a lot of people in this space that ha I know a lot of people that are successful and I know you are, what is it about you? You think that people are drawn to like, how are you different? How are you unique? Uh, I would probably say I mean, not just, I mean, there's a lot of disciplined people out there, but uh, I mean, I grew up in a very small town, so it's almost like it's a, a handshake's worth a thousand words, but it's like what I say, what I promise someone, even, you know, I use that example as, you know, a client passing away is that he says, hey, take care of my wife. I'm going to make sure I do everything in my power to make sure she's taken care of. And so my word is very important to, to me and to us as a firm. Um, and it's also as, as we gravitate and our firm grows is what what is what is are we responsible for as a firm and what are we responsible for in the industry? You know, trying to set that standard and increase that standard as much as we can. Yeah, I get it. Is there anything about the job that you're just like, man, I mean, I don't know if you mentioned it earlier. I don't think you did. But like a part of the job, you just like, I hate this part of the job. And, you know. Uh, I, if you're going to get into this, you need to be aware of this part or these parts. Can you think of anything? I mean, you end up, tr you know, really, I mean, in my role, I mean, it's uh, you start getting into the spot where you're really managing people. And sometimes giving constructive criticism isn't the most exciting thing to deliver um, when your intent is really to try to maximize, you know, that one person's, you know, what they can grow at. Um, and, uh, sometimes people are not ready for that. <laughs> so I don't enjoy that necessarily. However, when it is received well, and I do see things that are improving, it's exciting to see people excel. So mm -hmm. it's worth the price of a short-term pain to see them grow and, and meet their dreams too, as an advisor or in operations, wherever it may be in the firm. So as far as satisfaction, like what you're getting out of it, I mean, let's just take compensation out of it, freedom. Yeah. Do you, do you get more joy in developing people that work for you or, or do you get more joy out of setting a family up in, in terms of a really safe direction? I mean, can you distinguish between the two or, or are they the probably same? pretty equal on that? Okay. You know, it's, uh, I enjoy working with families. I enjoy getting in there and helping them. And, and like anything else is that as an advisor, you are, you're more in that in the business of helping manage life for people. And so not only, I mean, you look at it in one spot, I'm a portal of where you get all these life experiences in one sense kind of dumped onto you from all kinds of clients and situations and your problem solving. And, you know, so it's not purely about money, but you're trying to help them in different directions, whether it's, 
hey, they, they want to be able to, they move for a new job. How do, how do we process that? Um, to they're having kids or grandkids and all those kind of things. Or, you know, so yeah. I, I think it's, um, it's a balancing act for sure. So you've been at it for a while. You've seen people come through, like, what is the recipe for success? Like, for example, is it somebody who's, I mean, you could think that someone is super intelligent coming out of Ivy league is just dialed in, but then you get the, the, the guy or the gal who's just really likable, very connected. Like, what are the, like the things you look for if you're trying to hire someone to be an advisor, for example, or someone to bring in funds from families, et cetera. What do you think the two or three key um, attributes are for that person? I mean, intelligence is great. Um, common sense is better. Uh, coachability is probably number one. Um, and I think, and also as far as what do they do in their lives? You know, what are their habits? You know, I think for anyone getting out of college, going to school, doing whatever they may be, it's all about their personal habits. To me, that's some of the number one interview questions is what do you do? What's your, what's your day look like? What kind of discipline do you have? Um, what disciplines do you choose to have that you can't have or you do have? You know, and what success do you have with that? Do you have goals? Do you write them down? Do you have a plan for tomorrow? Do you know what your week looks like? You know, or are you just letting it happen? Yeah, I mean, I'm glad you're talking about this because like that's something I haven't heard in my podcast because because what I'm really trying to do is get into the head of somebody that's coming out of high school, college, maybe they're in their 30s, they didn't like doing what they did, and they're thinking about a career change, and paying attention to like, what occupies your day, your time, your habits, you know, are you getting up early and working out? Are you getting things done, uh, getting out right. of the way? I think that's really important, because I think if you're listening to Jim, watching Jim and thinking about, do I fit in this? I mean, this is a job where you have to be disciplined and you have to have habits that are positive. And I would, I guess the advice is pay attention to how, you know, you might think it's non-business related, but pay attention to how you manage your day, your weekend. What do you do on Saturday morning when you have nothing to do? Um, right. What do you, um, you know, looking at you, you went to central Washington, correct? Yep. So going back in time, were there signs that maybe, you could look back and say, yeah, I can see why I'm doing what I'm doing. Like, what kind of guy were you back in the day? I mean, I was in, when I was in college, I mean, I was very active. And I, I ran a nonprofit organization. I excelled at that. I had 60 volunteer members. I was also a butcher at the same time. I paid for my own college. Uh, I mean, so I was very, I've always been very active on that side. Uh, but I've always been very goal-oriented. You know, um, so I've always focused on what the future is and and just had, you know, looking forward versus looking behind me. So things happen in life. You know, people dwell on those things and they'll let it get in their head. For me, I'm just always looking ahead, you know, so I'm just moving past those things and, and chalking those things up. Yeah, you know, it's important to learn from things and mistakes and failures, but you have to make those mistakes. You know, you got to get out there and push and you got to be uncomfortable. You got to do all those things. Um, but I think overall, it's it's really you got to be great at blocking out that negativity because everyone's going to you know try to tear you down. May not maybe not intentionally, but they do. Yeah. Well, you, I know you are a super positive guy. Were you, did you jump right into finances right out of college? I mean, did I you? Did, yeah. Okay. So I guess the question I want to, or the area that I'd love to go down is like the opportunities for somebody that's 
maybe they're all bought in and they know they want to be in finances or they think they do. What are the like typical uh, uh, runways into the industry? I mean, I know there's probably many. Can you touch on a few that are probably most common? Yeah, I think that's uh, most universities now have a CFP program. Uh, they have different accredited programs for the world of finance. And so you can do that while you're in college and then transition. Usually with those programs, even for us, we have an internship program from Central. Um, so we have two to three interns a year that come in uh, and we, we expose them to all areas of the business. And at, at some point we look to see, you know, what, which candidates that we want to hire and which ones, you know, um, are not interested in this industry. Because there's some people that are like, this is not for me at all. Um, and it could be, they might want to be an accountant, <laughs> for example. Um, but in the world of finance, there's a lot of directions to go. And so I think getting, getting everyone exposed to it, going on the research side, getting into statistics, getting into history as well. History is very important. Um, and also be, the ability to be able to do research um, yourself is important yeah. as well. So, um, for those individuals, I love to read. I mean, in, in this industry, you're constantly learning. So it's, you know, I mean, I go through books all the time. It's you're constantly pushing on the side. What's your take on the future of like your industry with AI in terms of research or how AI might complement, eliminate some of the jobs? Like, are you starting to go down that road? Yeah, we look at that. I mean, I look at how things are written. I think on a compliance standpoint, you can do, uh, you know, outlooks, updates, uh, correspondence to clients that way and streamline it where it's going to be able to be compliance approved. Um, it's not going to be misleading, those kind of things. So I think that's going to be very beneficial for the for the industry. Um, and there, I could add some more transparency too with disclosures. I, I don't see it as a negativity at all. I think they're I think it's uh, at the end of the day, our world is, you know, there's a lot of different choices you have to make when it when you're doing portfolio construction. I mean, we test all of our portfolios out. So we're looking at thousand different market times and looking at what did it do in the worst market environment? What did it do in the best market environment, you know, and seeing how they react to different tweaks of different securities and positions in there. So I think it's with AI, it's exciting. Um, it's going to be, I think it's going to be beneficial across the board. Uh, I don't know how far it goes. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, I mean, I, it's going, it's going so quickly that it's hard to know where it's going. Yeah. Uh, but I do believe it will eliminate like the human emotion that you're involved with, you know, right. especially when somebody is talking about moving on, passing on. I mean, you can't convey that emotion with, technology right i mean yeah, well, you, good, shouldn't. yeah. You, you shouldn't but and i hope it never comes to that right, right um if you um you know in every job people get different things like when i when i was first starting i was all about getting making money which was shallow and there's nothing wrong with making money but i wasn't no, no. i wasn't thinking about kind of how i was different unique like what right. where i could excel where, what 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 gifts did I have more so than others that were just innate um, in your world, uh, you know, and so I, I think about like, not just what you're doing from a nine to five or whatever you're doing tactfully, but like, what is, what are the things in your career that you really love that come with it? Like, you know, I would, I don't mean to put things in your mouth, but things like freedom, maybe. Yeah, I was uh, just going to say freedom. I, I think in a sense of 
you know, I'm my own business owner. So, I mean, I get to design my day, my week, my year, uh, how, how big, how fast we grow, what the direction of growth is. Um, you know, if there's any mergers or acquisitions that we want to do, you know, so it's very exciting in that. And it's, it's also, you look at where you're at and what is your maximum potential, you as an individual in your life and how quick can you get there and keep moving that goalpost back? I mean, money to me has always been an, if you want to make money in any career, any industry, any, anywhere out there, it's the best way to do it is not to focus on money. It's just to focus on your passion, right? Money is an output. Um, the input is the grind on a fall day, you know, at five in the morning, hammering out, organizing your calendar, having a plan of attack for the day, you know, well, balancing it off as far with a workout or something that's mentally healthy too, you know? Yeah. So I think, I think it's, uh, to me, the freedom to make those choices and design your day is, is key. Yeah. Anything else you can think of that comes with your, your industry that would be important for someone to know, like obviously not being capped on compensation. I mean, yeah. you can make as much as you can, um, what are other things that like are important to you? You know, I don't know if it's making an impact. I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but what comes with the territory? I mean, there's a, there's a lot of different advisors that have different, uh, I think emotions of why they're in the industry and, and what their passions are. You know, my hap mine is, can be completely different than others. Some are, you know, it is maybe they, they love to be more community. They like to be involved in the community and, and naturally they end up educating the community and working with the community on that side. Um, and so it's really to each their own. That's kind of the freedom you have is how involved do you want to be? Others may have a passion of, you know, coaching, you know, baseball teams and working with them. And then they translate to working with athletes and, you know, helping them out with their finances and stuff. So I, I think that's kind of the beneficial part as an advisor is that you can kind of get carve that niche out any way you want to go. Um, but with all those niches, you still need to have all the same traits of discipline and focus and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, People sometimes see like someone like yourself or other people in your industry that are very successful and are doing really well. But what I don't think they really see is what it was like, like in the beginning. Right. I mean, there was yeah. probably a lot of getting I mean, out. I didn't there. know anyone out here. I, I mean, mean, yeah, you had to like get out there. I had a phone book, a phone, I'm 300 dials a day for five years. I worked no less than a hundred hours a week. I mean, it was long days, long nights, you know, car running out of gas, you know, that, that kind of stuff, you know? So, uh, it's, uh, you got to really believe in your passion in those days. You dig deep, right? Yeah. Um, but I mean, that's what you do. So what were you trying to do back then? Were you trying to get people to do like, um, life insurance or, I mean, what was the pitch? I mean, I think the biggest thing was just, you know, I worked with a lot of different business owners and at that point was, I was calling every business around the, in, around the area and helping them with their, their really getting the most tax efficient plan they possibly can have as a business owner. Cause what I found is most small business owners, business owners of a hundred or less or 200 or less, um, they, they don't focus on, I mean, they run their business. They don't really focus on, you know, how do you, that same dollar, how do I keep it from getting taxed two, three, four, five times a day? And then also how do I protect it from creditors? How do I protect that dollar from really 
you know, from anyone else. Um, but also as life happens, how do I have liquidity if I need it? What do I do in these areas and build a retirement plan? And they never even had exit strategies of their own business. And so you would have, you know, part of it, you start working with these business owners and all great hardworking individuals and, you know, husband passes away and doesn't have an exit plan for the business. So, so the business has to shut down. And so that is, that strategy was never thought out. And so for me, it was make sure every person I meet with, I'm going to make sure they're taken care of, but make sure they have a plan A, plan B and plan C. And, you know, what's the purpose of being in business? Maybe you could sell it. Maybe you can, your kids can transition into it, whatever it may be, and just kind of have the plans available for them. So that was a big passion. That's really what I did uh, the first five years was, you know, business to business, door to door, on the phones, workshops, seminars. I mean, I was, I was young and I looked young. <laughs> so that didn't bode well. So I had to be the sharpest, you know, person in the stack there. So it, it was, it was critical. You, you know. still look young, not young, <laughs> young, but you, you, you got good genes in you. So yeah, w- when you moved from Eberg, did you come to Seattle or where'd you go? I went straight to Cur- uh, Bellevue. Yeah. Bellevue. Okay. First time it- ever in Bellevue. Okay. So you just explained some of the stuff you were doing. How did a 24, 25, 26 year old kid, how do you gain credibility? Like when you're trying to sell to business owners, I would think that would be really now, not so much because you have years of experience referrals, but right. how the hell do you get credible at a young age, especially I can see how your friends might say, yeah, I'll do a life insurance policy yeah. with you. But how do you get business owners that are 40, 50, 60 years old to trust a 25 I mean, year old? You work a lot of people, so, meaning that you got to deliver on your promises. And so how do you deliver on retirement planning? You know, they're not going to know if it's successful for 20, 30 years. Right. And so part of it is a balancing act of you know, structuring their investments. But I think for the most part, it's being great at educating other people was something I excelled at. So teaching a, a business owner that's in a machine shop that's got, you know, 40 employees, how he's going to help his employees out as well as himself yeah. and show them on paper right then and there on his taxes of what we can do to reduce that tax burden. And I think, you know, it required a lot of different steps and a lot of research on, on my end um, but you know, you just overworked and outworked everyone to do that. Whereas the, the older individuals, advisors, they had the credibility. It was much easier. They didn't look as young as I did. So, yeah, I get it. Um, it, it seems like having a niche is really good. Like, I guess maybe yeah. that develops as you get farther along in your career, but you know, you could be a jack of all trades, or maybe if you were like, you know, I focus on businesses that gross between one and $10 million a year or whatever, uh, is that a smart way to go if you can if you can put it together like that? Yeah, I mean, it definitely, definitely becomes, uh, you can become a specialist in that, understanding the needs of those people and what they need, what's important to them and what's not important to them. Mm-hmm. So when you're having communications with them, the information you're delivering is directly impacting them. Yeah, I get it. Okay, so as we wind down, a um, couple questions I typically ask my guests, um, but one, one I, I want to make sure that people that are watching understand, there are different flavors of institutions that you can get into with finances. Like, you know, I, you have people like yourself, you know, people with, uh, you know, Cornerstone, you know, other companies, people yeah. with big banks. Can you just- houses, banks, and those kind of things. Can you just quickly articulate, are there like six options, 10 options, four options? Yeah, I mean, there's, well, they change, you know, in this, I mean, the, for example, the banking option changes too. I mean, it's, 
I think it depends on the the depth and where you want to go. You know, you start going into some of these different institutions. If you're right out of college, it really depends on your background in college and your experience in the investment world of where you want to go. If you can get into uh, an, RIA, an RIA like our shop, it's um, it's tough to do uh, with no experience. I mean, we require typically some experience in the door. Um, however, I don't overlook quality of people and you know it's i will hire someone that i know that has great work ethic okay um, but for a lot of individuals and in those some of those bigger institutions one thing is they have great areas to educate advisors and getting in the industry from the beginning so getting them licensed getting them uh, an understanding of how to work with individuals how to work do all those different things and have success at that um and for a lot of people they end up outgrowing that and so that's really what how you know what happened in my career was the first five years i outgrew my firm and i knew within three years that i needed to do something um and then a year year and a half later i just decided to open my, open my own firm and so which you know that's a, that's a big big step that may not be the best step for most people it's okay it's a lot of <laughs> it's a lot of things on the plate there so no i bet i bet um so if you could do it again coming out of central I'm guessing you would stick in finances. Would you yeah. ha have changed your line of pa pathway? I mean, would you have done the same thing or would you have just jumped yeah, right in? I would have done in? the same thing, but everything faster and sooner. Hmm. Okay. So where are you trying to go? Are you just trying to get to uh, retirement? I mean, I'm sure no, you can retire I mean, now. But for me, it's more just, uh, it's that, that the enjoyment, it's like a workout, hmm. right? I, I enjoy a little bit of misery. And that makes that fulfills me. <laughs> so if I can do that every week and have some good goals every week and just having that accomplishment, that's good for me. Uh, I love it. Is there anything I haven't asked you that you think, cause I'm not in your industry, so I'm not as fluent in it as you, but right. anything you feel is really crucial or important that somebody should know that's considering following your path. Yeah, no, I think it's, we covered most bases on that side. I mean, there's all, there's other areas in the industry that you can go in. It's if you want to be more on the accounting side and third-party administration side of, you know, actuary sciences, those kind of things. Uh, there's a lot of directions, even on the merger acquisition side of businesses, um, the investment research side, you know, the quantitative and qualitative analysis side. There's a, we're, The industry is looking for a lot of good people in that area. Okay, cool. And then if let's just say you couldn't be in finances for whatever reason, I always right. ask this question, is there a dream job like something totally off the wall, different, uh, crazy that you would love to do just so the audience can get to know you a little better? Yeah, I mean, I, lo I love to be in the woods. So I mean, anything, anyone that would pay me to be in the woods to go hike or fish or anything like that, I would I'd take. Yeah, <laughs> like, like me running expeditions or something. Yeah, maybe something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool, man. Well, Jimmy, I appreciate it. You uh, yeah, no are you're an impressive guy, and and I think that you threw a lot of good information out that will be very helpful. And uh, thanks so much for taking the time. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. All right, buddy.